1: this, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: It is Sports Talk Mississippi. It's Thursday afternoon. It's day two of the SEC tournament. You've got college basketball galore on Every sports channel on your television and it got started about lunchtime today and it's going to go until about midnight tonight and then we'll do it all over again tomorrow and then we'll start kind of paring things down a little bit for the weekend and then we'll turn around and do it all over it again on Thursday and Friday and Saturday of Sunday of next week as well. And the cool thing about that is you're going to have at least a couple of teams from the state of Mississippi that will be on your television either Thursday or Friday. Of next weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, the last two guys located in Nash, Vegas today. Music City USA SEC basketball tournament happening there. I'm back in Oxford. Borky's at the uh, the headquarters in Jackson. We're glad to have you along for Sports Talk Mississippi, which is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, whether you're a farmer or not, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. Again, MSLandBank.com. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Oh, I'm glad everybody's having such a great day. I should have said hello individually. Hi, Michael Borky. I'm kind of happy you're
0: back
2: no you're not we know you're not
0: happy that i'm back because you
2: like doing what i do for a living which is great he was because on you
0: so bad richard it was unbelievable i had to tell him to stop a couple of times
3: i didn't know really. Richard's back i called richard called me this morning and i was like so you're back tomorrow and he was like nope today
0: yes let's complete that story rippy then he comes in and he's like i could have sworn they said richard was gonna be back on thursday and i just looked at him and i was like it is thursday
2: it's been a oh.
3: heck of a week
2: yeah, one of those days. Uh, so I guess uh, Rippy, you've been on the road to uh, Louisville. Maybe I should finish, Porky. I, I'm not mad that I, I know you're not happy that I'm back. But.
1: I am, but I'm not. Yeah, I mean, it takes a little bit of workload off of my shoulders. I can go back to working ten-hour days instead of twelve-hour days. But uh, I mean, you poor thing.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, Slaving away, away in the soft mines midnight tonight, and I'm just now leaving Bridgestone Arena. I'll remember that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, it it is good to be back. It was nice to have a couple of days with my family, snuck down. The weather was really good on Tuesday at the beach, Uh, good enough for me to get absolutely fried. Like I've got sunburned like like, I may not have had since I was a freshman in college.
3: Not a sunscreen Uh,
2: guy? No, I am. Um, I'm not necessarily trying to throw my wife on the bus because she's kind of like the sunscreen queen she makes sure that our kids are taken care of with sunscreen and usually kind of badgers me into it. So I thought she sprayed sunscreen on me, but it was the, uh, so it's the spray on kind, which I'm a big fan of, but it's the kind that kind of comes out like lotion instead of spray and you got to rub it in. I have zebras. I have like red and white zebra stripes on my back. It's kind of disgusting. I look like a zebra with leprosy. Yeah, that's a mental picture for you, hey Dad. I know that's uh, that's what you wanted. I, as, uh, we got all and rolling. You know,
0: I've been I've been on this earth a long time, and I don't know that I've ever heard zebra and leprosy in the same sentence ever before. So I didn't well, think I would ever get to hear, hear some new combinations. Congratulations.
2: And, and I suppose to take it one more step, it would be as if a zebra had white and red stripes instead of white and black stripes, and also had leprosy. It's kind of what my back looks like, which is you know not the world's prettiest picture. No, nah. but but I digress.
0: Uh, what's going on in Nashville, boys? A lot of basketball, obviously, and you know nothing to surprise us last night with A and M and Mizzou getting the wins. I think uh, you know I, I don't have it in front of me right this second. We don't have the game on TV, but uh, I think Mizzou is actually leading Auburn, or at least they were, or in the early going there. So. Uh, Wait, did we not spring for a hotel room
2: episode. with a television in it for you we guys? We have not
0: it. It's just, it's just not on. It's just not on. We'll, we'll turn it on during the break, and so we don't have that problem. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt an episode
2: of Judge Judy while you're doing the radio show. I mean, far be it to watch the SEC basketball tournament.
0: This is a nice hotel, and we are literally a, a block away from the arena, so it'll be uh, beautiful, a easy uh, walking for us.
2: Yeah, earlier today, Florida beats Arkansas 66-50, to and currently Auburn is on top of Missouri 32-24,
0: I think. Okay, the they come back score. in that game. It was, I think they were down seven, really, in the early going.
2: So. Yeah. yeah, Auburn was not real impressive right out of the gate. It's got a bunch to get to uh, this afternoon. Will Wade speaks, and let me tell you, when Will Wade speaks... We all need to listen. In fact, usually when he speaks, there's somebody listening in whether he realizes it or not. Like like what I did with that, Borky?
1: Yeah, that was pretty I, good. I, that's the one angle that I haven't thought of is, in this entire deal is how, how would you feel, and maybe it, it happens more than we think, but knowing that you were having conversations with somebody and there was somebody else listening to them. Because they recorded more than just one conversation with Christian Dawkins, right? If they're tapping his phone, that means they listened to conversations he had with his wife. Uh, it, you know, family stuff. I That would, even though it was a part of a federal investigation, I would feel so invaded knowing that somebody was listening to every phone call I had.
2: I would agree with that. You, you would wonder, okay, what did I say? I mean, even with regard to, to Christian Dawkins... I mean, if they're listening to every phone call, it's altogether possible that they missed a call yeah. where he was talking with Christian Dawkins. Like the guy, you know, that, that he's in the back of a bread truck listening in. I don't, I don't know that that's actually how it works. That's just how I envision it. Like somewhere, you know, in an underneath an overpass in Baton Rouge, there's a guy in a bread truck listening in with these antiquated headphones. Hey, we got him. Everybody, are you rolling? Are you rolling? Are we recording this? I'm assuming it's a little more sophisticated than that at this point.
3: And to Borky's point, like they're catching all these other conversations like, oh man, he forgot to go by the grocery store. Like He's going to catch the what for when he gets home.
0: Well, I don't know how accurate. I was a devoted watcher of the Sopranos, and they mm-hmm. always said on there that for wiretaps, they listen to the first 45 seconds. And in the first 45 seconds, if they don't believe anything criminal is going to be discussed, they, they have to hang up. So if he calls his wife and they're going on about groceries, they probably just tune that one out. Mm -hmm. Assuming that the Sopranos was accurate.
2: Well, so maybe he should just like somehow covertly allow his associates who could be um, less than scrupulous know that, hey, when you call me and you say hello and I recognize your voice, we're talking about the fact that I need to pick up the dry cleaning. And we're talking about carrots and celery and lettuce for the first. Or we're going to be extra. Okay, we're going to go a minute 15. I don't maybe, care maybe how important you should, your time is.
0: Uh, maybe you should have learned from Hugh Freeze and own a phone that nobody knows you own. Maybe that's the best way to go if you're going to go this
2: route. Yeah, it seems like a, also a reasonable uh, idea as well. Basketball action begins... Uh, By the way, we'll get to what Will Wade said earlier today. We'll also get to the legal response from LSU, and we'll look at how ridiculous the whole darn thing is as we continue through the afternoon. SEC tournament play begins for Ole Miss and Mississippi State tonight. Rebels are game three of the day, which is scheduled for a 6 o'clock tip. Mississippi State playing in the nightcap against Texas A&M. By the way, is this potentially Billy Kennedy's Well, I mean, I guess it's more than potentially Billy Kennedy's last game. It's just not confirmed by the university, right?
1: Right, but as far as all the reports are, he is gone, which, I mean, missing the tournament, considering the run that they had before he took over, is probably inexcusable. But if you go to the Sweet 16 two out of four years, you should probably keep your job, no? Do
3: do you think – I have this theory that part of the health issue is with it, and maybe they were a little quicker on the trigger because of that and because he didn't disclose it when he was diagnosed.
0: And I saw his, if it wasn't him, I saw his doppelganger about two hours before Tim at the barbecue restaurant we ate at last night. So I don't know how much more engaged he is, because if that wasn't Billy Kennedy at that restaurant, then he has a twin brother we don't know about.
2: Well, I, I will say... In the whole world of basketball coaches in the SEC, he's one of the nicest men I've ever met. And I think he's a pretty good coach, but at the same time, man, there are times when you look at him and you want to go, is he breathing? Is there a pulse in there? Because he he never raises his voice. He never loses his cool on the sideline. He's not animated. That's just kind of his style. But he's been really, really successful in most, I guess, kind of all of his stops along the way in his coaching career, they go to the Sweet 16 a year ago, but arguably underachieved with the talent they had on the roster. They have fought injuries this season and have played a little bit better down the stretch. Clearly A&M, though, wants and expects to win at a higher level. But that's kind of A&M in everything, isn't it? Yeah. That's the reason that Jimbo Fisher is the head coach at Texas A&M right now because they want and expect to win at a higher level, and they've got the money to do it. Missouri and Auburn tied at 30 inside a minute to go in half number one. Got a look at Bracketology. We'll preview the weekend in baseball coming up, and uh, Zion is back for Duke. Conversation with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham and also Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball. Busy afternoon. Glad to have you along. Good to be back in the Renaissance Bank studio. (laughs) Halftime in Nashville, Auburn, the five seed, thirty-two, Missouri, the twelve seed, coming off a win last night, thirty. So Auburn has a two-point lead. The Auburn Tigers ice cold in the uh, in the first half, uh, shooting the three. Or at least they were early. They were zero of eight to start the game from behind the arc. We'll keep up with uh, all that's happening in Nashville as we go throughout the show this afternoon. So let's uh, let's look at what is happening most recently in Baton Rouge. Boot up, they say. Um, is that really what s- they say? Oh yeah, yeah. Will Wade is uh, for, that's been his thing, and it's kind of caught on, you know, because everybody has to have a catchphrase, right? Do they give me boots
1: in prison, or or is that just a regular
2: shoe? no I, I I think it is in reference, Michael to the shape of the state of Louisiana <laughs> <clears throat> you know, yeah anchor down at Vanderbilt hey
3: <clears throat> sorry Vanderbilt had a worse one for a while what was that? We don't need your permission
1: oh yeah, that was rough right after the the scandal up there they, they had a recruiting graphic that they put out that literally said we don't need your permission.
3: Yeah, self-awareness level zero.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but I'm talking about like a moniker that the school goes with and the coaches, you know, like every time they enter, every time Brett Bielema finished an interview at Arkansas, he would be like, all right, thanks, guys. Woo pig. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Family,
1: so, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah so boot in. up
2: it has been what has caught on a little bit at LSU. Anyway, Will Wade releases a statement earlier today. This morning... I advise President Alexander, any, by the way, I just, you know, I may not make it all the way through this thing without sidebars. Any opportunity to not address President Alexander as F. King Alexander is a missed opportunity. I advise President Alexander, Athletic Director Joe Oliva, and the LSU Board of Supervisors that I would like to resume my duties as head basketball coach. Last week when the university decided to place me on administrative leave, I accepted the decision without complaint as I knew they wanted time to reflect on the flurry of media reports. With the benefit of a week to consider the circumstances, I believe university officials should allow me to resume my duties. I understand that in today's hyper-intense media environment, it is extremely difficult for any organization, particularly a public university, to stand firm in the face of rumors, leaks, and innuendo. In this case... The simple truth is I have been placed on leave because I exercised my right not to submit to a joint LSU-NCAA interview on the exact same subject matter at issue in an impending federal criminal trial in New York. My legal counsel advised the university that it would be wholly inappropriate for me or anyone to submit to an interview under these circumstances. There's more. I guess I'll read it quickly declining to be interviewed was a difficult decision for me as i would like to cooperate fully with all parties particularly lsu to be clear however all i've done is follow the prudent advice of counsel to exercise my constitutional rights to due process given these facts i don't believe it's appropriate for me to be relieved of my duties we have a great basketball program made up of excellent student athletes and quality coaches players who've given uh, their all for this institution etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, it's my constitutional right that's what he's saying Everybody's kind of laughed at this statement from Will Wade. Will Wade just used a whole bunch of words to say exactly what Bruce Pearl has said. I'm not talking to anybody. There's a federal investigation going on involving my basketball program and one of the assistant coaches that was on my program. I'm not talking on the advice of counsel. Why are we pilloring Will Wade for it today? That's a good thought? question.
1: I, I, the, the thing, when I saw this, it's a charade. It's an ab- absolute cluster. It's an embarrassment basically for all parties, but man, this statement further separated LSU fans and with fans comes donors and alumni and all that good stuff away from Joe Oliva and their administration. That kind of, him talking publicly like that, even though he really didn't say a whole lot, is just going to continue to put the pressure and the angst and all of that stuff that you saw in the arena when they won the SEC last weekend against Oliva, against university leadership. They're on Team Will Wade right now. They are not on Team Oliva. And him saying, hey, I want to come back and coach right now. You tried to dupe me into being interviewed by the NCAA. That's not happening. I just want to come coach. The fans read that, and they love that, and they want that to happen, and they're not on Oliva's side at all in this, and this is just furthering that separation.
3: You know what was not in it? Any denial of guilt whatsoever whatsoever because he's guilty and he knows it and
2: everybody knows it. Well, but it's not just because he's guilty. It's because when you're under investigation by the federal government, you don't say anything to anybody, which is the whole point of this statement, right? I mean, after we get past the, (laughs) he didn't deny guilt at all in there, when you peel it back, I mean, again, he used a lot of words to say, My lawyer told me not to talk because there's an impending federal investigation. And I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but people have gone to jail because of this investigation. And so if my lawyer tells me not to open my mouth, you can suspend me all you want to. I'm not talking. Which is the
1: absolute correct move for him to make. I mean, with that meeting that they wanted to have where... They're still having an open invitation. Talking to the NCAA for him at this point is a bad idea. Talking to anybody, like you said, is a bad idea. So
2: I would, I think there are more layers to it also. I mean, to me, the bottom line is I'm not talking because my lawyer said don't talk because there's a federal investigation going on. That's, you, you really could stop there. Yeah. But to me, there are more layers. First of all, layer number one, this is not. A Will Wade versus Joe Oliva issue in reality. It's the way it's being perceived, and certainly I've been critical of Joe Oliva. Joe Oliva did not make the decision to fire suspend/ slash suspend Will Wade. I Think that was a
1: directive from Birmingham?
2: No. It was a director a director from the Board of Supervisors at LSU. That is a wildly political board. That has an incredible amount of power. It's not like in the state of Mississippi where you have the institution of our institutes of higher learning or the, the IHL board that oversee multiple universities. The board of supervisors at LSU oversees LSU and that's it. And that's an incredibly powerful position. And you got a bunch of big time legal people on there and they got to the point where they said, he's got to go. It, it, Joe Oliva did not have a vote in what happened.
1: Which, that's so funny. What,
2: I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think what,
3: sorry, Borky. But I think part of what Will Wade is asking without directly asking, isn't he kind of what asking what changed? I mean, other than that the, you know, a media outlet got a hold of the wiretap. Because their whole attitude this whole time has been kind of, like Richard said, double birds in the air. We're just going to get to April because, like, if we win something, our fans saw it. And I think what Will Wade is kind of partially saying is there's nothing different other than the fact that they now know what specifically I said.
2: Sure. Which, Well, and, and then, so, so again, layer one I would say is this was not really Joe Oliva's decision. He's having to wear it publicly. It's not like he can go out and say, well, look, the board of supervisors the one that told me to find it. That's not how it works. Those guys get the cover of there's an AD that's got to take the fall if this doesn't go well. And, oh, by the way, Joe is trying to get a new contract as athletics director at LSU, trying to get his contract extended slash new contract. So whatever they tell him to do, he's going to do. Because he wants to not lose his job, so, so so that's maybe the first point. The second point is, and and somebody used this phrase with me, and I, I thought it was really interesting because I had a conversation uh, with somebody about this story, and I said, "Is it really possible that the LSU administration was blindsided by this? Because the rest of the free world that's involved in the in basketball knew or, or believed they knew what was going on at LSU with Will Wade." and and had very, very strong opinions with him, is it really possible that the administration at LSU was blindsided by this, oh, he's a cheater information? Well, they they can't be. That's the thing, is them pretending that they are. Well, here's what I was going to say about that, Borky. I had a person say to me, there is a real thing. It's called the Bayou Bubble. And when you're inside that bubble... It's like you don't have the ability to think like a rational human being. Even when there was a report out
1: months ago that said that he I'm was on you, a wiretap man. discussing paying players, I mean, that's why I've been calling him wiretap Will since the beginning of this season. It wasn't from internet rumor. It was from a Yahoo report four, five months ago.
3: That's where the rationality factor comes in.
2: Yes, Absolutely. And then the third thing, and and we'll spend a little more time in this, is you want me to come talk to you with an NCAA investigator there? I mean, boss, man, I'll talk to you. We can sit down and have a conversation off the record. We can do it at your house. We can do it at my house. But me coming to your office for a formal interview, for us to talk about all of this with an NCAA guy sitting there? Man, kick rocks. I quickly Googled light bulb jokes to see if there was one that was uh, fitting and appropriate for my good friends Hey Dad and Rippy. <laughs> a bulldog. And I a wish rebel you could
0: have seen. Say what? A bulldog and a rebel have to change a light bulb.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the yeah, whole idea—you know—how many fill-in-the-blanks does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many yeah. computer scientists does it take to change a light bulb?
3: I think I interactory called it
2: physics. N- None. There was That's some a hardware involved. issue. <laughs> uh,
3: I don't know. I was squatting different levels and such.
2: Yeah. Uh, At least you got your was... workout in. Borky, I-, I wish you could have seen what i seen. Uh, th- there was an issue that caused Hey Dad's microphone to go away and not work in the last segment. And there was a hum that we were trying to uh, combat so that it was a-, a better listening experience. And so I had. Rippy pop up FaceTime so that I could watch, and we pretty quickly figured out what the issue with the microphone was. But the the um, the engineering gymnastics they were going through to try and make
0: the the hum go away. Have we considered that perhaps we're being wiretapped? Have we considered that that perhaps the FBI is listening in on us? It's uh, it is possible. It is, although in reality
2: they wouldn't have to wiretap us; they could just on the radio
0: you know but they don't get the in-between stuff that we we, we you know in between the breaks yeah when we discuss yeah, they you wouldn't know, be real impressed
2: and- i hate to break it to you they wouldn't be it's real far. impressed <laughs>
0: yeah. you're right All about
2: so, that. I, so so i said there were multiple layers to this will wade thing number one i would say is that joe oliva is not making this decision on his own he does not have the ability to uh, fire will wade if he wants to to reinstate will wade if he wants to or to suspend him whether he wanted to or not I don't believe. I think he's the front man right now for the board of supervisors. Uh, Number two, there's very much the Bayou Bubble thing going on, and it's like they didn't realize or they have insulated themselves from it. Here's the third thing, and I think Rippy raised this question a second ago. So I'm Will Wade. You're my boss, Joe Oliva. Joe Oliva calls Will Wade and says, Will, we need to talk. Okay. Well, it's not just going to be you and me. Well, okay, was President Alexander going to be there, too? Well, yeah, he may or may not come. We're not entirely sure about that. But there are going to be some folks from the NCAA here. What? Yeah, the uh, the NCAA doesn't, they, they want to be involved in any substantive interviews uh, that happen as we're going through this process. Uh, they're going to be involved in the interviews that we have with Javante Smart in trying to ascertain whether or not we're going to allow him to be eligible. And they're going to be involved with any conversations that we have with you. Will? Will, are are you there? I can't believe my head basketball coach just hung up on me. Guess I'm going to have to suspend him. That's my next question is why are they suspending him? I don't
1: understand why you don't just fire the guy. He's not coming back to coach. He's not talking to you. He will not talk to you. You've known this wiretap has existed for months, but now your hand is being forced. He can't coach for your team anymore. If the NCAA comes to Baton Rouge... The season is screwed anyway, so why are you even keeping him on your payroll? Just fire the guy. Be done with it. Instead, you're getting these dueling statements, and every day is more embarrassing than the next because you're dealing with this publicly instead of behind closed doors like most of these investigations and things are, are handled. So just let him go, fire him, and deal with that.
0: You guys have a thought? My, my only my only guess is that until the NCAA delivers some sort of verdict, that that could be firing without cause, and then they would owe a, a massive buyout. Appearing on a federal wiretap discussing
1: paying cause. players is not with cause.
3: Uh, I think I think winning buys you a longer leash, there even in the absence of rationality, as we discussed earlier. Like they're hoping I, yeah. there's some some scenario where he stays, and there's just not. But that doesn't mean they're not going to hope.
2: Yeah, and, you know, if you're LSU, you can, you know, what difference does it make whether or not you fire him now or you fire him a month from now at this point? You're hoping that something comes up, you discover something that allows you to say to him, hey, Will, you can have your job back. To which maybe he goes, sweet, can't wait to be back with you guys. Or maybe he goes, you know what, screw you. You didn't stand by me. Why am I going to stand by you now? Well, because we're bef- paying you almost $3 million a year. Okay, good point. I'm back. My feelings are, are, are better.
1: He's not escaping this, though. I he's understand not. that there's hope, but there, there's no escaping this
2: at all. LSU has cause to fire him right now on multiple accounts. One, there's an ele- there's a, 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 a wiretap from the feds where he's talking about paying a player. That's cause. Breaking NCAA rules. Number two. I'm your boss, come talk to me. No, I refuse to talk to you. That's insubordination. You're fired. That's that's at least two causes that they could fire him. They don't want to fire him because he's made LSU basketball relevant for the first time since John Brady when they went to the Final Four. It's the last time LSU basketball was really relevant.
3: Was that 13
2: years ago? Uh, they won the they, league in 09, Right, they won the league then. Yeah, so you know, a decade first time in a decade they went through the Trent Johnson thing, and they went through the Johnny Jones thing, and neither of those went very well. And now they've gotten to Will Wade, and they've recruited at a really high level, and now there is an FBI investigation going on.
3: Yeah, and but once the like once the FBI thing plays itself out, and it becomes just an NCAA thing, like he should probably call like Donnie Tyndall to see what to do for the next decade because he's going to have a show cause.
2: Yes, and the odds are it's going to be a really long show cause. And when the show cause expires, what—six years from now, eight years from now—is anybody ever going to really touch him? Does he get the no, personality be to be about. a television guy?
1: Six or no. eight seems light for appearing on a wiretap, right? And this mm. wasn't grade fixing or slinging, you know, ten grand. To a recruits' parents, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars, and my player is making the NBA league minimum type stuff. Yeah,
3: but I isn't mean, the wiretap just the means the way he was caught? I mean, like, I mean, like I the guess allegations the allegations, like involved. you're saying, is stronger. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, are we really trying to pretend for a second that Javante Smart's getting eight hundred thousand a year to play as the backup point guard at LSU?
3: No, but... I'm just taking the man at his word. Hey, I, I understand. the NCAA's
1: used much sketchier interviews and testimony for a lot of different
2: programs and hammered them all the same. Yeah. Hey, by the way, the C Spire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. It's how you can connect most easily with us, C customer-inspired. And don't forget, please don't text and drive. You can also... Tweet the show at Sports Talk M-I-S-S, the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, wide open to you this afternoon. Dan in Charleston says, I used to think that Bobby Knight ran a clean program. Now I wonder. Hmm. I mean, I don't know that Bobby... I feel pretty confident that Bobby Knight wasn't just like outright paying players or negotiating... For the payment of players, doesn't mean it wasn't was just happening them. there. Would you say it just it assaulting them
0: or assaulting
3: oh, with an A? Yes, okay. not
0: I. It's both. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so I don't know where you go with uh, with all of that. Tell you where we can go right now. Two games last night. Missouri beat Georgia 71-61, Put the Georgia Bulldogs out of its their misery. The fact that they scored ninety. 6 and beat Texas in the middle of the SEC season is like the most baffling result to me in all of college basketball this year.
0: They were they were fired up to avenge that Sugar Bowl loss.
2: Well, I, maybe, right? I mean, so so they're like one in what, 7 in league play at that point and just yeah. out of nowhere they shoot 70% from the field, and like 74% from behind the arc, score 96, and beat Texas, and then lose every game they play for the rest of the year.
1: It's just one game, but doesn't it kind of lead credence to the SEC being a really good basketball league?
3: Or if you pull up Texas's results, it becomes less surprising, because they have a couple pretty just like inexplicable...
0: Yeah, Texas is not good. But well, that's a Georgia some, isn't, isn't tex- good either.
3: Texas is sometimes when they want to be. That was I guess my point of it all is it just makes very little sense some of the ways they behave from Saturday to Saturday or yeah. you know, game to game.
0: Yeah.
2: So Georgia out of its misery, same for Vanderbilt. Not only do they go 0 and eighteen in the regular season, they lose by seventeen in their only game in the SEC tournament against SEC competition. They go 0 19 this year. Obviously, the season changed dramatically when Darius Garland was lost. I, I get people that go, oh, well, this could have been an NCAA tournament team with Darius Garland. And the part of me that gets on board with that is they played really, really hard into the last two weeks of the season. And at some point, you know, you're 0 14 and you look up and you're like, okay, what's the point? And so they just go through a few more beatings and then it's over. But did one player make that much of a difference? Would he have made that much of a difference? I don't know. A Few games, maybe. I mean, well, but if we it's a few games worth 10 early, wins in the conference. Well, I mean, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is if it if it makes the difference of a few games early, and instead of being zero and seven, they're four and three, and gaining some confidence, and guys are getting involved, and he's a legit top five draft pick, maybe it does make a difference. I mean, maybe they're 9-9 nine and nine in the league and going to the tournament. Anyway, 0-19 against SEC teams this year. Yuck. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippey, and Brian Haydad. Those last two names you hear, there you are in Music City. Ole Miss playing Alabama tonight, Mississippi State playing Texas A&M tonight in the SEC tournament. I'm in Oxford, Borky's in Jackson. We're glad to have you along for the ride. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Right now, on the Farm Bureau phone line, good friend of ours from one state to the east who goes by the name of Ryan from Alabama who got stuck in the ditch. Hello, Ryan.
4: (laughs) What's up, Richard? How are you? I'm
2: doing well. So... I need to hear more about this. I know we talked last, uh, last year uh, or a year and a half ago after you made a sojourn to a random Mac football game where you were holding up signs and trying to draw attention to yourself in the stands. Take me back to the origin of how you keep ending up in odd places because of your radio job.
4: So every year we do the NCAA tournament bracket like everybody else does, and we allow the listeners to suggest punishments. For the loser, the winner gets absolutely nothing. It's just what we've decided to do. The winner gets nothing. Okay. So we allow the listeners to come up with a original creative punishments for the loser. And this goes on for several months. As soon as we mention it, people just start sending things in, and we will, you know, we'll, we'll make note of them and think, oh, that's a good one, that's a good one. And then we'll whittle we'll it down to a four and put it in a poll. And whichever one gets the most votes, the ultimate loser, has to do that one. Whichever one gets the second most votes, the person that finishes second has to do that one. And the person that wins the bracket doesn't have to do anything. They just get to watch and laugh. So we've done this now for 10 years and five times I have finished laughs. And the (laughs) the listeners have gotten more and more creative on their punishment. So two years ago, so when I lost the... um, 2018 bracket, no, the 2017 bracket. That um, November, I went to the Central Michigan Eastern Michigan game, and the only the only deal was I had to make an every effort to get on television. Well, my wife had picked, had told me I should dress as Bob Ross for uh, Halloween, so I just did that. So I <laughs> put my Bob Ross costume with me, and dressed as Bob Ross at the game, and ESPN showed me. Van Pelt put me on SportsCenter. I mean, it was crazy. So, I lost again the next year, the 2018 bracket, and um, this past week, I spent 48 hours in Manawai, Nebraska, which is population one. It is the world's smallest town. Now, there's a quotation around the 48 hours because there's nowhere to sleep there. There's no hotel. So, I had to drive up into South Dakota to find a hotel to sleep in. But other than that, I hung out at the tavern at Montawai, Nebraska. Uh, population 1 with Miss Elsie uh, Who is the only resident there very sweet lady But uh, there's not much going on there
2: What does she do for a living?
4: She runs the tavern I don't know if I don't You know I don't know it, if it, That, that it
2: apparently draws from surrounding communities
4: Yeah Yeah So everybody up there is a cattle farmer um, well, There's just a bunch of cattle farms up there and, I mean it is in Richard It's in the middle of nowhere Nebraska I mean, let's check out Nebraska Maybe 10 to 15 minutes south of the South Dakota border and when I say, like, you, I flew into Omaha, I drive through Sioux City, Iowa, and then turn west. And when you turn west, you drive 150 miles, and you you see, like, one house every five minutes. I mean, it was the middle of nowhere.
2: And yet you it did have cell service.
4: I did have cell service. It was hit or miss. In the town, actually, I had decent cell service. But, you know, you'd go through parts of the drive where you had zero cell service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I did have some in the town, enough that I could, you know, fire up some photos on Twitter and call into the show and things like that. But, um, yeah, there's there's cattle farmers around there, big cattle farming area, and pretty much everybody lives there that farms cows or works on the farm. And when their day's over, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they all come in there and have a couple beers and shoot fat and then go back home. Were,
2: Were they amused by why you were there?
4: Yeah, you know, they got used to it because this has become so we 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 all right, so further backstory as to how we got here. We do a segment on our show called Trash on the Table and it's just random, it's ten minutes and just the most random stories of the world that make us laugh. And one day one of the stories is about this town that's only got one person. And um and somebody during the segment said, Hey, that'd be a great bracket challenge. Well of course our listeners didn't forget that. And as soon as they got to start nominated and this got nominated and easily won, um, and then I think Prudential, um, the investment company, the insurance company, did a commercial about her. Coca Cola did a commercial about her, and so she's kind of become this little kind of like she's got this cult following. So NPR has come up, BBC has come up and done stories on her, so they're kind of used to people just kind of coming in and doing stories. But they get a lot of tourists, believe it or not. They come by there. She showed me the guest book and was telling me stories of people that had signed the guest book. She would show me photos of people that have come through just to see it. And, I mean, there is nothing to see. But I guess people are just intrigued by telling of what well, I was there getting punished. Yeah, apparently people voluntarily go there just to visit it sometimes.
2: <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Ryan Brown from uh, Joxon, Birmingham, on your radio. Uh, he is uh, part of a, a trio of hosts uh, in the morning on, uh, on their radio show. Do a great job. What, what's the line between imitation is the most sincere form of flattery and blatantly stealing an idea and making it your own?
4: Um, it depends on how you sell it. Um, if you steal it, make it your own. You just have to deny that you ever know anybody else did it. Why well, we considering those, that we just had stealing?
2: this extended conversation, it seems like it would be hard to do that.
4: Okay, so you were thinking about stealing
2: it, huh? Yes, I'm saying if we were to adopt a uh, a similar type uh, format to uh, make our NCAA tournament selections a little more interesting.
1: Well, yeah, because I need yeah, more I mean, punishment I- than eating dog food like I'm going to have to do this summer. That- that'd be great. Oh,
4: why well, are you having
1: to eat dog food? It's it's for a fundraiser, which I appreciate, oh. but Richard, with his brilliant mind, I-, I happened to tell a story about how I got a bar tab in college paid for me because I ate some canned dog food. And they decided to turn that into a fundraiser for a, a radiothon we do this summer. It's a great cause! And I get to eat a bunch of canned dog food for charity, thanks to Richard.
4: Oh, uh, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Right? Exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> hey, hey, let's in the three minutes or so that we've got left, I'd like to work in uh, an Alabama basketball question and an Auburn basketball question. Okay, go. Cool. Um, in two seasons now, Bruce Pearl has had two separate members of his staff be involved in two separate FBI indictments. Yep. Uh, it, does he just have the worst luck in the history of the world? Is he a poor judge of character, or is there something more there about who he is able to get on his staff?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I guess, kind of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I guess the answer to that question is the eye of how you feel about Bruce And I'm very fond of Bruce. I greatly like Bruce Perlman. And he's I agree. A ter- he's a terrific basketball coach, and but, you know, it seems like scandal is always at arm's length with him. And, look, the Ira Bowman situation did not happen at Auburn. Um, I don't know the extent to which Ruth Pearl was aware of it when he hired him, but here's the, here are the facts. Uh, he lost an assistant coach who got caught in an FBI scene and hired his replacement, an assistant coach who got caught in an FBI scene. Uh, I mean, that is remarkable. I doubt that's ever happened in the history of basketball. Um, you know, not playing
2: golf happened. with him in a thunderstorm. I know that.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. The first one happened, though he's still the coach at all, I will point that out. He uh so he survived this. The first Impressive. one that happened, you know, was under his watch. But you know, the one is you know, Ira Bowman, that happened at Penn, so it wasn't necessarily under Bruce's watch. Obviously you've got to be responsible for guys you hire, but I do I do I'm able to delineate between the two, but it is quite remarkable that he's had two assistants. That have gotten caught in FBI scenes. I mean, that is,
2: that is just absolutely remarkable. Um, there are some quiet rumors floating around that maybe Avery Johnson would be interested in another job. I know there was a story that was out there that seemed like pure speculation about New Orleans and the GM job there in the NBA, obviously with his NBA background, maybe another college job what what's going on with, with Alabama basketball? Because they're talented. I saw them last week. They're talented enough that they should be better than they are this year.
4: Yeah, the fans, I think the fans, you know, it's kind of a little stale. Um, this life on the bubble, every year is life on the bubble with Avery. And this year, it looks like unless they beat Ole Miss and Kentucky, which is a very low probability. I don't think they'll beat Ole Miss. But Two teams
2: that they've, they've beaten beat already Miss, this year.
4: Yeah, they have. Uh, That that is true. That was a different Kentucky team and perhaps a different Ole Miss team. But um, I I don't see them winning both those games. If they don't do that, they don't go to the tournament. And that's three out of four years he has missed the tournament. Um, And I just think Alabama fans think it's gotten kind of stale. And maybe it's gotten stale for Avery. Um, Depending on who you listen to, he was either trying to get the Pelicans' GM job in New Orleans or, you know, at least he was trying to get his name out there. I don't know the extent to, you know, how how much he pursued that. But the other one you mentioned is there are rumors that he might be interested in the SMU job if indeed it is open back in Dallas. So uh, I think it's something to watch and I don't think Alabama fans they like Avery the person, but I don't think they would be torn up about losing him as the coach.
2: Yeah. Does basketball matter at Alabama, thirty seconds?
4: Um yeah it used to, but it's just kind of become pretty average right now. But back in the Lynn Sanderson days it certainly mattered. There were times it yeah. was better than the football program back then. Hmm.
2: That's not the case right now. Ryan, it will not be great now. visiting with you today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's a good point. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you. All right. All right, boys. Y'all be good. That's Ryan Brown from WJOX in Birmingham on the Farm Bureau Fun Line. Always fun and interesting to talk to. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Two and a half minutes to play in Nashville. Game two of the day. Auburn leading by six, 71-65. Over Missouri. 71-65 over Missouri with two minutes and change, and Auburn's got the basketball. Auburn trying to advance to the quarterfinals tomorrow in the SEC tournament. Last night you had um, Georgia's season come to an end. Missouri beat them. 71-61. Texas A&M eliminated Vanderbilt. A&M will play Mississippi State tonight. Auburn, by the way, was a 9.5-point favorite in this game. Ole Miss a 3.5-point favorite tonight against Alabama. And Mississippi State is an 8-point favorite against Texas A&M. So that's what, uh, what's going on. We'll get more into basketball. In fact, hey Dad, and I will spend a good bit of time on basketball in the 5 o'clock hour. After this segment, Rippy is going to head over to Bridgestone Arena and get set for Ole Miss in their game tonight against, uh, against Alabama. So let's do a couple of things here. All right, let's talk a little bit about that game, Rippy, before you split. Ole Miss, no worries at this point. In fact, I think Joe Lunardi and Jerry Palm both had them projected as an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Generally, you know, barring nothing crazy happening, looks like an eight seed or a nine seed is where Ole Miss is going to uh, going to end up. I guess they could potentially win their way into maybe a seven seed. depending on how far they advance in the SEC tournament but probably not going to drop below a nine seed. Alabama, on the other hand, absolutely desperate. You heard Ryan Brown talk about it just a second ago. Not only do they need to beat Ole Miss tonight, we probably need to beat Kentucky tomorrow if they win to get to the NCAA tournament at all. Does motivation in this game matter one way or the other?
3: Yeah, I think so, because you think Alabama's going to be the more desperate team, because Ole Miss... I don't like saying they're not playing for anything, but in a lot of ways they're not playing for anything. They're kind of firmly locked into the eight-nine line. I do think with the loss they could drop to it, depending on what happened the rest of the weekend. But the point is, they would they'd be hard pressed to play their way off the eight-nine line, like in a positive direction. So, yeah, you know, I think it matters because I think Alabama absolutely has to have it. It's the second year in a row they're trying to get in the NCAA tournament by the skin of their teeth in the SEC tournament.
2: Well, but the other part of that is and I'm just throwing this out there, Alabama was in the exact same desperation mode on the road against Arkansas this past Saturday night. That was the game that I did, and I didn't see the desperation from Alabama in that game. Does that make sense? Yeah, but
3: like tonight feels more definite because their season literally like could potentially be over with a loss tonight.
4: Yeah, I guess like, I mean, Kermit they, Davis they, they has, another... has said
2: it well a couple of times this year. He said, you know, it's not a must win until your season's over if you lose. And for Alabama, their season's over if they lose tonight.
3: It's meaningful basketball that is. I mean, do you think they make the NIT?
0: Oh, they'll make the NIT. For sure.
2: It's harder to it, do I, than I it mean, used to it, be.
0: And if you're an NCAA bubble team, which is what Alabama is. I mean they may be in the the SEC four out but they are on some form of the bubble. Th- that's going to be enough to get you in the NIT I would think. So, yeah. That's what that, that's what state state got there last year. So.
2: That's true. No, that's absolutely true. So, but but maybe not certainly not as one seed in the NIT. Not that that really matters. And I don't know if going to the NIT for the third time in four years under Avery Johnson does anything to placate Alabama fans.
0: Right. I mean, uh what what Alabama, about from an old Miss perspective?
2: I'm sorry, go ahead, dad What
0: we've heard about them before is like they they have all it looks so good getting off the bus, but they just it doesn't translate on the court for whatever reason. Yeah. Um.
2: Last thing, I, I think we've got we're having an issue with our connections. so let me ask you one last thing, Rippy, before we uh, before we cut you loose and and kind of you head over to the arena. What does Ole Miss need to do? I mean, is it just a matter of playing well and trying to have some confidence going into next week? I mean, obviously you want to try yeah, it, and win a championship.
3: Sure, but that seems, given what they'd have to go through to get there, it doesn't seem necessarily likely. But I think it is. It, there's something to be said for playing well because they didn't finish the season strong. What you lose, They lost three out of four to end the year, granted, too. those are to kentucky and tennessee and they played pretty well in both those games but yeah i think it's to be trending i mean i think there's something to be said to be feeling good about how you're playing and trending in a positive direction heading into the ncaa tournament as opposed to kind of limping in
2: okay keith on the c spire text line says richard i gotta tell you that rippy was talking mighty bad about your sports coat that i was wearing on tv on saturday night not your style huh that's no, that that's was me. Wait,
3: no, I did the exact opposite. Oh, that was Borky. That was Borky. Yeah, that I was me. I actually
2: texted you, Richard. That was a he- heck of
3: a jacket.
1: I said it looked like a I comforter on a sketchy I need Airbnb. A
3: <laughs> a look comforter. At, look, at, look at Borky just trashing Richard and it getting thrown on me.
0: uh that's rough, Borky. I, I told you, Borky was hard. He was hard on him. That's while, all while I you said. Were Hey, Richard
1: gives a lot worse to me, like I every said. show. So I think I can get away with one. That jacket looked like a comforter on a bed at a sketchy Airbnb, and it'd be okay.
0: I need to see. I need a picture. I need to. I feel like I could be the tiebreaker.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Did you know well, it was going to be this risky when you put it out in
2: the closet? All right, guys, we're going to have to hang up on you and see if we can get you a better connection. Uh, the messages coming into the C Spire text line sound like this: Did Rippy get drunk and drop his phone in the toilet last night? <laughs> Richard, are you guys okay? Sounds out like you've uh, come down with the uh, with the croup. Uh, anyway, so we we made it. Are you guys having technical difficulties? Sounds like a bunch of robots talking. That is technology, and sometimes it doesn't work exactly the way we uh, we want it to do. Borky, I just can't tell you how wrong you are about that sport coat. But and the know, thing is, I you, wish you my closet what you like. had
1: about ten of them—not not that exact coat, but 10 ones that look like that. I I was just you know doing some lighthearted picking at you.
2: Mm-hmm. Like a comforter at an Airbnb, huh? <laughs> you know, I what, hear you.
1: Well, one of those ones you're looking for a beach house, right? But you're kind of on a budget, and you find one that's like beachfront for 120 bucks a night and you think, man, this is way too good to be true and you get there and it is way too good to be true one of those
2: <laughs> I hear you, man I hear you
1: I've still got I that felt- picture of me at Steeplechase from a few years ago, you've seen that jacket that's the ugliest thing I've ever put on my shoulders, so I don't have much room to talk
2: Yeah, well, you went with the whole Madras plaid thing, that's a little bit different look than, uh, than I was going for on uh, on Saturday I'll let you borrow it sometime, and you won't complain about it anymore. I don't know if my fat
1: butt would fit in that thing, but I can try Well, fry. that
2: possibility is is altogether uh, out there as well. Gary says a sleazy Airbnb. <laughs> 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 I've never stayed at an Airbnb.
1: It's actually an awesome experience. It really is.
2: Did it look like the comforter of that boat that you stayed on in San Francisco a couple of years ago? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they had blue everything inside of that boat. That was wild, but... If you haven't used one yet, give it a shot, but make sure it's not one where it's just a room within somebody's home where they live. And they specify that on the listing. You just got to look for it and read it because that is sketchy and uncomfortable. And like you wake up in the morning and this dude's walking around in his boxers. That's not fun. But one where the property is owned just to rent so it's not customized. Like you don't see pictures of babies and dogs all over the walls where it's just a Mm -hmm. rental property. The experience is incredible. Mm. Much cheaper
2: than hotels, too. I'm going to tell you what my wife, Jane, is probably not going to go along with, and that's somebody else's house to stay in, unless it's like a true rental house.
1: Yeah, and, and the listing, it'll tell you that it's one or the other. Like, like you can specify, I've stayed in one where it was somebody's dwelling that they got, they got away from from the weekend, and I've stayed in one that I didn't know uh, they were going to be there while I was there. I was just renting the room and not the apartment, and that was an experience I never want to have again.
2: And you didn't bail on it and like go sleep in your car? No, no, I couldn't do that. Okay. Let's switch gears at least for a few minutes to to baseball. Uh, D1 Baseball has put out their SEC primer, and it is pretty good. Some interesting stuff going into the start of league play. I've said this before, if you're a college baseball fan, then you spend a lot of time waiting for the start of the college baseball season, and then you're waiting for the start of conference play, and then you blink, and you've made it to conference tournaments, and then it's regional play, and all of a sudden it's over, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of the summer, and you're counting down to the start of the football season. So some things to look for. As we roll into SEC play, a little bit of a Mississippi State flavor also from the uh, the folks at D1 Baseball. By the way, Auburn wins over Missouri 81-71. So Auburn gets the win, and they will play South Carolina tomorrow, who is the four seed. It was not real pretty for a lot of the game, but Auburn ends up winning by 10, which means they cover, by the way, nine-and-a-half point line uh, with, with all of a half of a point to spare when it's all said and done. And now Auburn will play a South Carolina team that they lost to in Columbia in the regular season. But they're a win against South Carolina from being in the semifinals of the SEC tournament. It's not crazy to think that you're going to see Auburn playing on Saturday in Nashville. So what does D1 Baseball say about the start of SEC play coming up this weekend. We will look at that next and also look at the series, and hopefully we'll be able to get uh, Brian Haydad back and connected where we can uh, talk to him and hear from him. Don't forget, by the way, Brian Scott Rippey uh, will be at Bridgestone Arena tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at bs rippy. Haydad will be there a little bit later tonight as well. More coming up. You can join Super Talk Mississippi on the campus of Capaya Lincoln Community College on Tuesday as part of our ongoing commitment to promote economic development and workforce education in southwest Mississippi. It's amazing to see how many counties are now considered ACT work-ready communities, and we'll be talking about what that means and much more with Gallo and with the JT Show, live from Colin in Wesson on Tuesday right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And tomorrow on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. It's an interview with country music star Drake White. In a Mississippi Minute, Steve Azar. It comes on every Thursday and Friday, one to two on most Supertalk Mississippi stations, as well as supertalk.fm. Plus, it's available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. I think we've got Heydad squared away. He is in Nashville. Mississippi State will play Texas A&M in the nightcap tonight from Bridgestone Arena Hey, Dad, let's talk some baseball, though, as we get set for the opening weekend of league play. Guys at D1 Baseball kind of put together an SEC primer leading into uh, the start of conference play. They say the best opening weekend matchup is number six, Mississippi State, against number five, Florida. It's a pretty darn good way to start league play.
0: Darn good uh, for the fans. Tough for the teams. Somebody is going to lose this series this weekend, and 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 be behind the, the eight ball. But the fact is, these are probably two teams that are going to be there at the very end when you talk about con- contending for the conference championship, national seed kind of things. Assuming that their starts aren't you know false hope. But this is a big series for state. They've got some. What's the? They've been proven a little bit. You know, taking two out of three from U.S.M., getting that win over Texas Tech gives you some, some confidence that this team is going to go down there, and, and you know that if they continue to get the pitching from Ethan Small and JT Ginn, they're going to have a great chance to win these games and win this series.
2: And the guys at D1 Baseball say the most impressive pre-conference team in the SEC is Mississippi State. They say colorist impressed with the Bulldogs through the first four weekends. The Bulldogs ushered in a new era with the addition of Coach Chris Limonis, and they've only gotten better since his arrival, uh, you have got the rise of Ethan Small, the instant impact of JT again. The bullpen has been really good with Cole Gordon leading the way with a sub one ERA through 10 innings. He's got five saves this year. Offense also has been good. Um, Jake Mangum, we know about. Jordan Westberg is built off of his success in the Omaha season last year, hitting 361. Elijah is hitting 351. Tanner Allen. Hitting two sixty-six, but he's driven in 24. Mississippi State top 30 nationally in batting average, and they're doing it in a lot of offensive categories.
0: Yeah, the, the the hitting has been spread out throughout the lineup this year, and I don't I don't know. Let me reread it, sir. But did you even mention guys like Justin Foskey, who's been just so? Yeah, he's not even in this in this write up. He's been State's most consistent hitter, I think, since day one. Um, Dustin Skelton with four home runs has sort of provided some unexpected pop from the, uh, the catcher position. And they just, they've just been pretty consistent. You know, and they've done enough to win. And, of course, you, when you have pitching like you're getting from Mississippi State, and they mentioned the starters in the bullpen, you don't have to do too much. But I have faith in this, uh, this lineup that if, if a game comes where they're going to have to put seven or eight runs up on the board, they're capable of doing that. They did it Sunday uh, against Maine. A team that you know, not, not obviously not a great. Maine team. is not Florida. No, they are certainly not. They are not. You know how I know that? Because in Croom's first year, he lost to Maine, but he beat Florida.
2: There you go. So, so there you go. Some of the other categories that they had in their preseason. SEC Primer, J.J. Bladé is the best player in the SEC so far this year, the outfielder from Vanderbilt. Say the best pitcher has been Tanner Burns, the right-hander from Auburn, now a sophomore. Best transfer, Andrew Eister, the outfielder from South Carolina. They called J.T. Ginn the best freshman in the SEC so far and said it was a tight race between Ginn and LSU's Landon Marceau for freshman of the year. To this point, Marceau has had his fair share of ups and downs Um uh, but uh, the steadiness, I guess, of JT again has kind of given him the edge in that. Josh Smith, who was out all of last year, uh, for or most of last year for LSU, with uh, an injury, playing shortstop now, is considered to be the best rising prospect. Tennessee, biggest surprise in the league, biggest disappointment has been lsu's starting rotation and the breakout star is lj talley the second baseman from georgia how about tennessee sitting there along with mississippi state with just one loss through their first 17 or 18 games of the year
0: we were talking about them a few weeks ago and and we were we were asking you what's it going to take for that program to get kick-started and and they, i guess they figured that out because I agree. I mean, there can't be a bigger surprise, than them having that kind of record at this point in the season. And you know, now that conference play is here, we'll find out how much of that is for real. They've played a pretty decent schedule. They haven't. It's not like they're all uh, they're all cupcakes or anything. But you know, they go to Auburn this weekend, and you'll, you'll get a, a fine idea of what kind of team Tennessee is.
2: Series this weekend: Mississippi State at Florida, Tennessee is at Auburn be interesting. Auburn has played well. Tennessee obviously the only only the one loss. Georgia's been pretty good this year. They go to South Carolina. Missouri is at Arkansas, Alabama in Oxford to take on Ole Miss. Vanderbilt goes to Texas A&M and Kentucky is at LSU and it kind of feels like it's going to be like this all year long. You look at the seven series and it's kind of hard to pick out a bad series in the bunch.
0: Yeah. The the, the I mean when you have 11 teams ranked you're gonna have you're gonna have at least three or four series that are top twenty matchups. And in, in this case, like we said, we've got a top six matchup with Mississippi State and Florida. I think Vanderbilt A and M is very intriguing because Vanderbilt is, is the number one team and I think they're the best team. But they've had a couple of losses, a couple of trip ups along the way. We'll see what happens on the road in the SEC. So yeah, a lot of great baseball and that's to be expected, right? I mean, why would we think anything less? It's the best baseball conference in America. There should be best there should be great matchups and we're going to get them starting out, starting out quick.
2: You know, Mississippi State has been able to avoid the trip up. Florida's had a couple of midweek losses, but then they bounce back and they just trounce Florida State yeah. last night, I think it was. was it last night or two nights ago.
0: It was uh, a yeah, it was uh, Tuesday night.
2: Yeah, okay, so Tuesday night. They were down six to nothing or eight to nothing in that game. They come back and end up scoring eighteen runs. It's an explosive offense, and not shockingly, shockingly, they are pretty good on the mound. I mean, the the two teams that if you said, okay, who are the two worst teams in the SEC? Their records don't really indicate being bad teams, but Alabama and Missouri are probably the two that you would put at the bottom right now. Complete overhaul of the roster. In Tuscaloosa, Brad Bohannon uh, kind of taking over and trying to put his stamp on the program. And it looks like they're trending in the right direction. And then Missouri just. Meh. But even with Missouri, they've got some arms. I mean, they've got TJ Sickema, they've got uh, some guys that can really swing it. There just aren't any easy outs.
0: What do we take from the series in Oxford this weekend? If, if Alabama wins that series, what does it say about Ole Miss?
2: If Alabama wins the series, then I think it raises some serious questions about Ole Miss. I mean, obviously, when you look at Ole Miss right now, there's not a ton of concern about the offense. That's just an offense that, you know, one through nine is pretty doggone good. They haven't been great against left-handed pitching when, when they've seen that, so we'll see, you know, how that plays out through the course of the weekend and, and through the course of the league play. I, I was actually talking with somebody earlier today And the second half of the schedule for Ole Miss this year, like the second group of five SEC series, is far more difficult than the first half of the season. They probably need to take care of business in the first half of the season. right? I mean, they've got both Alabama and Missouri in their first 15 games, so that makes up six of the first 15 games in league play and the first two weekends. I think Ole Miss needs to get off to a really good start in SEC play. Because yeah. if you look at the back side of the schedule, that's when Mississippi State comes to Oxford. That's when they go to LSU. Um, so so they're, you know.
1: Well, forget SEC play. They just need to get a good start on the mound. Just, one, just a week for somebody not named Will Etheridge. Exactly. Just get one and start there. And once they do that, that offense, I mean, it was relatively shut down. They were, what, oh And the top of the order was 0 for 17 in game one against Louisville. And it, it took them a few innings in Game 2 to actually get going, but that offense will be fine. So all they need is just not even elite starts, but just quality starts from not Will Etheridge, and that team will be fine. They've just got to come eventually.
2: And and hey, Dad to, to the point of, of Ole Miss against left-handed pitching, mm. they're going to see three right-handed starters this weekend against Alabama. In Week 2 on the road against Missouri, if Missouri goes with the same rotation next weekend that they are scheduled to go with this weekend – they will see three left handed starters.
0: Yeah, that's what yeah, I hear Rippey talk about it quite a bit that left handers have just been giving elements so much trouble, not just this year, but for the past few years.
2: Pitching matchups in Oxford this weekend Sam Finnerty, the senior right hander for Alabama, going against the junior right hander Will Etheridge in game one. Game two, junior right hander Brock Love against junior left hander Zach Phillips. Game three will be junior right hander Will Freeman against freshman right hander Gunnar Hoagland. In the Mississippi State-Florida series, Game 1, junior lefty Ethan Small against sophomore right-hander Tommy Mace. Mace is 4-0, Small is 1-0, and uh, but Small has a 1.5 ERA. Game 2, freshman right-hander J, uh, JT Ginn, 4-0 and on the year with a sub-2 ERA against sophomore right-hander Jack Leftwich. And then Game 3, a couple of guys that are 2-0 so far this year, junior right-hander Keegan James against junior lefty Tyler Dyson for Florida. Those are the pitching matchups in Oxford and in Gainesville this weekend. Ole Miss hosting Alabama, Mississippi State at Florida. More coming up with you and we continue in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Brian Scott Rippey has already made his way over to Bridgestone Arena, Ole Miss, and Alabama coming up. Tip off about an hour from right now. Baseball coming up this weekend. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com. Why would you go there? Well, if you are in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind, well, Mississippi Land Bank is where you should go. Because... They know the lay of the land. They do real estate loans, timber loans, improvement loans, equipment loans, operating loans, crop loans there, livestock, irrigation, building a home out in the country. Need to get financing for a new automobile? What about agribusiness? All of that covered by Mississippi Land Bank. They've got the products that are necessary to help you get the loan that you need. And you can find them all over North Mississippi with locations in Senatobia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Indianola, Corinth, Tupelo, New Albany, Starkville, Kosciuszko, and Louisville. Mississippi Land Bank, they know the lay of the land. A little bit of an audible here for the college football fix that starts right now. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. You go to that website, you can find out all that Ford's got to offer, including whatever deals they've got going for a particular week or for a particular month. You can always find out info about the F-150 because it's the best-selling truck in America for four decades, plus a couple of years. Forty-two consecutive years, number one truck in America, the Ford F-150. You can drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So you've got the whole FBI investigation and Will Wade thing that's going on. And this may or may not be related to football, even though it is our college football fix. There was a tweet a little while ago from Emily Crisp, who covers politics for The Advocate in Baton Rouge. That's Ross Dellinger's wife. He covers sports at Sports Illustrated.
0: Her job is more important.
2: Uh, it is. But sometimes sports and politics intersect. And this seems to be one of those cases. So we've been talking about FBI investigation, Will Wade, purely from a sports standpoint. But there's been a little bit of rumbling. And if you've been reading message boards or kind of following around some along some cryptic tweets on Twitter, You've seen some inferences that there could be some misappropriation of funds from one of the hospital systems in Louisiana, more specifically from its foundation, perhaps to LSU. So Ross Dellinger tweeted this a bit ago. Audit findings into an embezzlement scheme at a Baton Rouge hospital included two questionable issues that resulted in hospital administrators notifying LSU's general counsel. It involved LSU athletics. LSU has now released a statement to Sports Illustrated. Here it is. LSU can confirm notification in late 2018 by Our Lady of the Lake officials, that's the hospital system, of two findings from their forensic investigation. They went through a deep-dive audit of John Paul I'm not sure how to say his last name, Funes, Funes, F-U-N-E-S. Both findings were reported to the NCAA in 2018. One of these findings, one of the findings is not believed to be a matter of compliance or an NCAA issue. The second involves the hiring of a parent of a former LSU student athlete from 2012 to 2015. University is actively working with the NCAA to resolve this issue. LSU has and will continue to monitor this matter for compliance issues, working closely with the NCAA. Ongoing legal matter. No further comment. So, there are people that have been trying to link the rumor and innuendo of the Our Lady of the Lake financial audit story directly to Will Wade. At first glance... It doesn't seem as if the two are related. Do you guys agree with that statement?
0: It, it appears to 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 be the case. Yeah, that, I don't think those are two things are related.
1: Well, I was I wasn't under the impression this was a Will Wade thing. It, the rumor and innu, innuendo that always made its way to me was strictly football related. And as it turns out, according to LSU, they're willing to admit at least partially that is true. Hey, I do find it funny because they admitted, I mean, they straight up admitted to an NCAA violation right there in their statement, right? I mean, that is a, that is a big time level one NCAA violation. The people that cover that program and fans as well, but they don't matter as much. I'm talking beat writers, radio people that, that cover that program that ripped apart Old Miss for years for their NCAA issues, and in their own backyard, they were giving jobs to... Foot, as far as we know right now, they were giving jobs to players' parents via a hospital, and I just find that irony so, so sweet.
2: I, I do think that there's one point of delineation here, and that is... And this may be semantics, Porky, so I'm, I'm not trying to... Disagree with anything you said. It's the foundation for... The, so so the actual hospital where they, you know, you've got doctors and nurses and the administration, president, CEO, whatever, running it on a day-to-day basis, do not appear to be involved in the funneling of money or the hiring of people specifically to benefit LSU. If I'm reading all the background story, it's this guy who was the president of the foundation, which was the fundraising arm for Our Lady of the Lake Hospital, who was, based on building a couple of decades' worth of trust and kind of getting himself ingrained in the system and figuring out how to make it work, fraudulently using that money for things that were of interest to him. Charter flights, apparently a couple of payments to different parts of LSU for various and sundry reasons. Right. This is a mess. Eight hundred ten thousand dollars lost to fraudulent activity committed by Mister. Funes, uh, former president of the foundation of Our Lady of the Lake. Um, let's see here. It listed uh, over several years orchestrated a series of fraudulent transactions that involved the purchase and distribution of gift cards, charter flights, and payments to individuals, including forged documents, invoices, and signatures misleading hundreds of people in and outside the organization.
1: Right. How is that different or counter
2: to what I said, though? No, no. I, just, I was just drawing a line between the hospital itself where they were trying to help sick people and the foundation that was in the fundraising arm of it. Yeah. Hey, Dan, is this a nothing to see here, let's all move along story?
0: Probably not. Is there any such thing anymore? It's, I mean, I'm so tired of the NCA. I'm so tired of it. Just, just throw your hands up in the air and say this isn't working. We got to do something different and overhaul something. I don't care what it is. But I am so sick and tired of every day. It's oh, we're doing this now, and it's, it's, who cares? You're not ever going to change anything, so stop trying. I,
1: I seem to remember a lot of people caring about the dealings of the NCAA within the borders of this state for many years.
0: Yeah, and what happened because of it? Did anything change? No.
2: Well, well, other than I mean, pretty severe what? penalties toward Ole Miss.
0: <laughs> Sorry, the connection must have been bad again. He said severe. That's hilarious. Uh,
1: whoa, 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 hold on a second. You don't think two bowl bans is severe?
0: How many scholarships did they lose? I mean, they bowl would have they missed one. I mean, bowl. I'm
1: 13.
0: They missed one bowl. They wouldn't have gone to a bowl this year.
1: It's the money is really yeah, the, more important thing.
0: The money, they'll be fine. They're not exactly, you know – Floating paycheck to 16 paycheck.
1: Sixteen million paycheck up there.
2: dollars for
1: they're a,
0: not a, floating paycheck to paycheck up there. They'll be fine. No, it's but, not a
2: question of whether or not they'll be fine or not, but it is a pretty significant penalty when you're talking about in the neighborhood of twenty million dollars all told with legal fees and everything else.
0: Well, the legal fees uh, could have been avoided. That was a, that was a choice by Ole Miss to appeal everything along the way.
2: Well, you also who it wouldn't do that? deals with the NCAA without lawyers?
0: No, that's not the same deal with the NCAA. But they, they, every thing that the NCAA did got an appeal. At some point, almost could have just cut their losses and been like, "We spent enough money on this."
2: Yeah, but who does that?
0: I don't know. This—that's the longest drug out, you know, case I've ever seen. So I couldn't tell you if anybody else has done it. I don't have anything else to base it on.
2: Yes, on that, you and I will agree that that was the longest and drawn out investigation. I had a buddy that sent me a text, and I actually agree with this. Said the most severe penalty of all was the fact that the investigation dragged out for over three years and the cloud that hung over it. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to agree with that more so than anything financial. Sports Talk, Mississippi. With you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. FM. Certainly, basketball going on as the SEC tournament continues at six o'clock tonight. Ole Miss and Alabama, then Mississippi State and Texas A&M will play in the nightcap tomorrow. It's the start of SEC baseball, and that means Mississippi State on the road against Florida, and Ole Miss hosting Alabama to begin that league play. To talk a little bit more about that. From D1 baseball and other places, Eric Sorensen, stitch <laughs> underscore head on Twitter.
4: Eric, what's up, man? Rich, thanks for having me on. I'm even more fired up that you had, you wanted to talk some baseball because we're in the middle of all this March Madness college basketball stuff. So it's kind of cool to talk some baseball in the meantime. Thanks for having me on, man.
2: What you don't want to start out with basketball? <laughs>
4: We can totally talk basketball. Might not know a lot, but I know that the SEC's done much better this year than in the past few years, so deeper conference for basketball this year.
2: Eleven of the top 25 teams in the coaches poll are from the SEC. I think it's 44%. No conference has ever had 11. We were just kind of walking through the, the seven series matchups this weekend, and there's not a bad one among the bunch. And it really feels like no. that kind of may be the case week in and week out.
4: No, that's certainly going to be what it's like this year. I think we're probably going to find a little bit more. In fact, I was just writing about it for an article I got coming up later on tonight. Uh, I think we're going to find out who's the contenders, who's the pretenders. Or it's going to start happening now. The separation, but yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't sniff at what the conference has done so far, obviously. And it's it, it's so weird because. You see a team like LSU that's kind of started off a little bit rough. you know they've, they've kind of gotten their pitching battered a little bit, and you start thinking, well, now they're going to be playing teams. now they're going to be playing teams in conference, which means it only gets harder from here on out. Uh, it's, it's tough. Once you get down a little bit, it's tough to dig back out. That's why these early season uh, series are so important. You don't want to dig yourself much of a hole, not with this conference and not with this many good teams.
2: The records 1 through 14 in the SEC are gaudy right now. I don't think there's any other way to look at it than that. Missouri 11 and 5 with the worst record that's just shy of a 70% win clip. Yeah. And you got 2 <laughs> 1 loss teams. Mississippi State at 16 and 1, Tennessee at 17 and 1. Let's go to Mississippi State in a second. First of all, your level of surprise with Tennessee winning 17 of their first
4: 18. Oh yeah, I mean that—that that certainly is a is a stunner to me because nobody really saw it coming. It's it's one of those things where Tennessee's kind of been a little bit of a three-legged dog when it comes to to baseball the last few years, and it's really it's really cool to see them to see them come back. And hey, it's, and it's,
2: hey, hey, hold also, on a second now. You, you better yeah. be careful. Borky actually is the owner of a three-legged dog. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, then that's one happy dog, because they're, they're going to have their day, apparently. But, yeah, it's uh, well, good for him. I'm, I'm glad he takes on the three-legged dog. I, I, think, I think the amazing thing is just how well their pitching has come around. Nobody really saw that happening. And then next next thing you know, I mean, they're, they're one of the best pitching teams in the country. And, and uh, last I saw their ERA, they were actually in the top ten of ERA in the nation. So I think that's been the surprising part, and and it's it's good to see it. It's good to see kind of you know you like to see the you like to see things switch up a little bit in the SEC and not always be the same teams, even though you have so many traditional powers there. So it's good to see Tennessee doing what they're doing so far, and of course you know they're going to be a team that we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, this coming weekend and, and for the weeks ahead, because uh, the schedule gets harder, they got to go down to Auburn this weekend and and deal with their pitching as well. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them.
2: You, you know, looking at a, a record where a team has five losses, you might be like, oh, good grief, five losses in their first twenty games. What's wrong? Nobody seems yeah. to be doing that with Florida, and that's the matchup we've got in Gainesville this weekend. The Gators at fourteen yeah. and five. Mississippi State at 16-1. and Ethan Small has been really, really good. JT Ginn has been really, really good. The bullpen's been pretty good for Mississippi State. What do you expect this weekend with these two teams getting together down in Gainesville?
4: Well, this was the one, Rich, that I was looking at early on this week when I was kind of looking at the schedule ahead, and I was thinking, man, this is the series I really would, would like to see what happens, what's going to transpire. Mississippi State goes out on the road and beats Texas Tech last week and then, and then now they've got a chance to go on the road and play Florida, a team, as you said, five losses. Seems like a lot, almost, compared to a lot of teams in the conference this week. But, man, that pitching, those, those two guys, Ethan Small and G.T. Ginn, Ginn seems like he's living up to his preseason, you know, all of his accolades and being a first-round pick and all that. He's not seeing any kind of freshman jitters. And, and Florida, on the other hand, Florida's got a couple of freshmen, including Kendrick Kaleo and Judd Fabian, who are both hitting above three forty five. and I saw them in the opening weekend and fabian is a center fielder who should be playing high school baseball now because he graduated a year early to enroll at florida and he's just fast as as fast as the lightning and and cleo is playing he had him at first base when i saw him and he's just he seems to be just a mature kid and has already hit a couple home runs so it's kind of gonna be youth on youth when they play against against jt ginn and uh, but again uh, Mississippi State going on the road. We'll see what happens with that when they stay. You know, when they go up against Florida. The way Florida just abused Florida State's pitching the other night and beat them twenty to seven. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Mississippi State have a bit of a tussle this time. Obviously, playing on the road at uh, at in Gainesville. So interesting series. It can be. That's that's probably the biggest series of the SEC this weekend, and uh, and and with good reason. It's going to be two top top ten teams going up against each other and, and uh, strength on strength to say the
2: least and i just wonder florida midweek games you know there's a ton of talent in the state of florida but the way the gators approach a midweek game compared to the teams that they've lost to because four of their five losses are to usf unf ucf and florida gulf coast so i mean teams that (laughs) oh they got a chance to go after mighty florida whereas the gators it's just kind of another midweek game yeah
4: yeah well it's it's kind of strange that yeah, I always kind of say that it, it seems like the mid majors put a little bit more uh, more of a stake in these mid midweek games than the right. teams that are like a Power Five conference team. So I I think that's why you, you kind of see them kind of get up for a team like Florida, and and you know they'll end up beating them from time to time. It's, it, and then, of course, you have a thing like where they played Florida State and they beat the stew out of them, 27. But, yeah, this is just one of the things where I think it's a midweek thing that a, the, the mid-majors kind of put a little more stock into it and Florida's concentrating, especially with Mississippi State, teams like that coming up in the, on the weekend. They're going to look more to what's happened on the weekend and throw their best pitchers like Jack leftwich and Tommy Mace who are both going to be really high-round draft picks in the years to, to come. So that's just kind of the way I've always kind of looked at it for midweek games.
2: What about the series in Oxford, Alabama visiting Ole Miss? It's year two for Brad Bohan, and they're off to a sixteen and o, or sixteen and two start. They won twelve in a row. Yeah. Talking about Alabama, it's completely flipped yep. that roster, and there, I think there's reason for optimism. It's a good Ole Miss team that has not quite figured its starting pitching scenario out after Will Etheridge so far. Uh, your, your thoughts on that series in Oxford?
4: Yeah, and this is kind of uh, what Rich, what you're saying, what we were talking about with Tennessee is almost the same thing with Alabama as far as nobody really saw them coming out, uh, saw them coming out with great guns like they are. It's sixteen, what was it, sixteen and two? Yeah, and the thing about them is, and you look at you just if you're just looking at it on paper, not that Alabama's played quite the schedule Ole Miss has probably, but their their ERA is one point nine four. Ole Miss especially after those that, that games against Louisville. Now their ERA is 4.45, actually one of the higher in the SEC now. Mm-hmm. But, again, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. You're right. They're going to kind of have to figure out their pitching beyond Etheridge. Uh, they're going to have to figure that out. And I think that this is another one of these teams I'm looking at, Alabama, that is, another one of these teams like Tennessee. I'm looking at kind of with a John Desai coming into this weekend. Kind of like let's see what happens now because yeah, Alabama has not played a great schedule so far. They're sixteen and two though, so you got to give them credit for that. But this is going to be kind of the you know this might be the wake up week, and especially a team like Ole Miss is who's going to be pretty hacked off after losing two games already this week. Granted, they were midweek games, but yeah, they're going to be maybe have a little bit of an addict, a little bit of chip on the shoulder. So this is going to be interesting, and in Alabama is. Again, the pitching has been very strong so far. I was surprised to see, and uh, and their hitting's not, not too bad up in the two upper two nineties. So this is going to be a team that's going to be uh, that's going to have a lot to prove this weekend. It's going to be a tough, obviously a tough place to play at Ole Miss too. But looking forward to seeing this one. This this is another one, and, and like you're saying, we're kind of saying the same things about all these SEC matchups. It's just great matchups. Each and every each and every one of the matchups this weekend is really intriguing for different reasons. And again, let's see what Alabama's got under the hood. It's kind of the way I'm looking at this one.
2: Eric, final thing. We only got about 30 seconds left. LSU sure. dead last in the SEC with a 4.83 ERA. They have not figured out that rotation. Zach yeah. Hess gonna be the Friday guy, but is he really a Friday guy? What, what do you think about LSU? Do they get it figured out?
4: Yeah, real quickly, I just don't. I don't see Hess as being a Friday guy anymore. I just he was too effective coming out of the bullpen as a freshman, and he's just got too too much of the yips, walking too many guys as a starter. I think he could be better used. I'm not the coach. I like Paul Maneri, but yeah, they're going to have to figure out a better way to use him, and just figure out that rotation.
2: Eric, always appreciate your time. Enjoy the baseball weekend.
4: Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing the airwaves, Rich. Talk to you again soon.